Welcome back in. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on a Friday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Going up until 6 o'clock, and then it's Red Sox baseball. Pre-game show, 6-10, Red Sox and Angels in the first game of a weekend series at Fenway Park. And who better to talk about the Sox with than ESPN MLB insider Tim Kirchin, who is with us now on the phone line. Tim, thanks for being with us. How are you? Uh, I'm well, Brady. How you doing? Good. Appreciate you being with me. It's been a little while since we've spoke, so glad to have you on again. Uh, Angels come to town today, and they're not particularly good, but Mike Trout is still excellent. He, he's not excellent. He's the best player in the game, and he has been for 10 years. It's. I just hope everybody appreciates and understands what we're watching here with this guy. Now, I'm old enough to have seen Louis Mays play almost in his prime, so he's still the greatest player I've ever seen, but Mike Trout is on that list. That's how good he has been. Uh, This has been arguably the best start of his entire career, which is remarkable given how great he's been to this point. Now they just have to get some pitching around him, and maybe they'll make the playoffs someday because the world needs to see more of Mike Trout. That's how good he is. You know, the best player I ever saw was Ken Griffey Jr., I thought. Is Trout, it's hard to ask if he's better than Jr. because I hate comparisons like that, but he just feels like he's even on a different level than Griffey. Yes, he's on a different level than pretty much anyone, given that the way he plays the game, how durable he's been, and how he keeps getting better every year. Now, Ken Griffey Jr. is certainly one of the greatest players I've ever seen, and it's hard to say anyone's better than him, but Mike Trout does a few things better, and uh, and Ken Griffey Jr. got hurt. If he hadn't gotten hurt, who knows where Jr. would have ended up. But um, Trout hasn't gotten hurt yet to speak of, and that durability and that amazing consistency is remarkable. You know, Trout's the best player in the game. I think maybe the best story in the game is what's happening with Shohei Otani, who we're going to get a good chance to see this weekend. Tim, I've never seen anything like this guy. Well, no one has, unless you saw Babe Ruth pitch and (laughs) play the outfield at the same time, which he really didn't do the same way that Otani is doing this. Otani is the only player, not even Babe Ruth did this, to get 30 games into a season and have 10 home runs and 30 strikeouts as a pitcher. Even Ruth didn't do that. Ruth had 10 homer, 30 strikeout seasons. He did that in 1918 and 19, but he didn't do it in the first 30 games. So what we're seeing from Otani is unique. Uh, I know I've never seen anything close to this. Uh, He throws 100 miles an hour. He can hit a pitch thrown at 100 miles an hour. His exit velocity is well over 100 miles an hour. He hit the ball 460 feet. And most impressive to me, he's one of the fastest runners in the game, which is just remarkable. Him running out of triple is one of the most breathtaking parts of his game. What's the more impressive thing here, his actual raw skill set or the discipline and dedication to be able to actually work on both sides of his craft? Well, I... A lot of people have a great work ethic, and he does. He's just blessed with talent that, frankly, nobody else has. He's not the best player in the game, Mike Trout is, but he's the most remarkable player. And I just hope that he is able to stay healthy enough in order to play on both sides of the ball like this because it's just incredible what he's doing. And only a, a spectacularly talented player is able to pitch one night, move to right field in the same game, 
and hit a home run in the same game. That's roughly what he does. Tim Kirkton of ESPN with us here on the Brady Farkas Show. It's all part of our Friday Diamond discussion, thanks to Red Door Jewelers in downtown Randolph. Um, as for the Red Sox, they have fallen a bit over the last 10 days or so. They're still in first place in the American League East. Overall, what do you think of Boston right now? Well, I'm surprised they're this good. I thought they were sneaky good entering the season. I thought they'd be a dark horse to make the playoffs, and I have upgraded that to I think they're going to be in the playoff race all year. They've had 16 games this year with 10 or more hits, and in this day and age where it's so hard to get a hit, the Red Sox put it in play more than most teams. They still value the base hit more than most teams. More important than that, their starting pitching has been demonstrably better than it was last year. Eduardo Rodriguez has been very good, and of course they're going to get Chris Sale back after the All-Star break. And their bullpen has been much better than it was last year, which of course that had to happen. Um, So I really like where the Red Sox are. And Even though the Yankees are getting hot and the Yankees are going to be great before the season's over, and the Rays are always good, I still keep Red Sox in the hunt to win the division, but maybe more accurately to win a wild card. I'm not counting them out because I think they're going to hit all year. You know, I know players don't like to do extensions during the season, but is Eduardo Rodriguez a guy you think that the Sox should be trying to lock up, or is he a guy you need to see a little more from and then try to just do it in the offseason? Well, it's hard to do it in season, but I'm always in favor of this is not my money, of locking up your best players long-term as often as you can, and he's one of their best players, and he's young. But I think you just got to see the full year. I get, you got to make sure he's healthy enough to get through the year with, with the COVID thing from last year. Uh, so let's see how that goes. But uh, he's, he's definitely going to be at the top of that rotation, uh, hopefully for their sake, with Chris Sale for several more years. And locking him up would be a good idea. The guy that I want to lock up early is Rafael Devers. Um, you obviously know the history of the game. How good is Devers for as young as he is, as early into his career as he is? Well, he's remarkably good. And the fact that he's an infielder, not an outfielder, the fact that he's a third baseman, and the fact that a couple of years ago at that young age he led the league in doubles and total bases, it was tremendous. And his power to the opposite field is amazing and he's going to tattoo that wall for years and years to come. I think he just was unprepared for COVID last year. I think he was scared by the whole process. He kind of locked himself in the house. He didn't work out. He didn't get himself in shape, all of which is his fault, but he was worried, and he just wasn't prepared to play last year, which is maybe why he really struggled. But no struggles this year. He is a really, really good young player and he's going to be in the middle of that order for a long time. You know, I, Tim, didn't think the Red Sox were going to be particularly good this year, so I was in favor of holding on to Andrew Benintendi, trying to let him reestablish some value, and then flipping him around the deadline when I thought the team would be out of it. Benintendi seems to be having a pretty good year, though, in Kansas City. Did the Sox sell too early or too low on him? Well, I think they went too early on him and maybe too low also, but they have a plan. And I think in their, their most honest days, they'll tell you they didn't expect to be this good this early and they would have loved to have been attendee around for this. However, they're going to, they're going to give this some time. And I understood what they were doing and they have some 
you know, some payments that they have to make. And they looked at him and said, we're going to have to pay him significantly. Maybe we move him and see if he hits somewhere else. And he's done a nice job in Kansas City. But I don't think it's a big second guess what the Red Sox did now. But I'm still a little surprised that they moved him. You know, we talk about the Red Sox being better than we expected. I'm still cynical in the fact that they've beat up on the Orioles and the Tigers and they've split with Seattle. I mean, they haven't played the Astros or the Yankees yet, so should we expect a big-time regression, or can they tread water when those big boys start to come to town? Well, I think they can tread water, and your point's well made, but in the end, you've got to beat up on the weaker teams if you're ever going to make the playoffs. So I'm not a big believer in, oh, they only beat the bad teams because I think they're going to be good enough to face the good teams. I think we're in for a really compelling Red Sox-Yankees rivalry this year, even though the Yankees, once they get to full health, are, to me, better, surely better than the Red Sox. But I think the Red Sox with Alex Cora, you know, have really got their groove back, and it's very, very impressive to watch how they have recovered so quickly from a really poor 2020 season. Tim Kirchner, ESPN MLB Insider, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. You know, you mentioned the Red Sox valuing the base hit. Is today's brand of baseball entertaining to you, Tim? Well, yeah, everything about baseball is entertaining to me because I don't have anything else to do. I don't have any other hobbies. I don't like anything else, and I love baseball so much that I'll love it in whatever form. But there's no doubt there. The, the, the games are too long, but more important, there's not enough action in the game. There are too many walks, too many strikeouts, too many homers, and not enough in between. I think we're starting very slowly to make a difference there, very slowly. But right now the strikeout rate is so out of control that it really, it just really bogs down a bunch of games. I mean, we've had, we've had 17 games this year where team won striking out 15 or more times. Oof. Think about that for a second. That's where we are in the game today, and it's not as entertaining as it should be given that the players are bigger, stronger, faster, more exciting, and better than ever. But the game isn't because we just don't have enough balls in play. You know, I've just said that it's because the pitchers have gotten too good and the velocity is too high, and I've kind of dug in on that. But talk to me a little bit about the baseball. What changes were made to the baseball that might be aiding the pitchers being good even beyond velocity? Well, they deaden the baseball just a little bit. So I I think that helps the pitchers, but not significantly, at least not from the people that I've talked to. Now, the other thing that people are talking about these days is maybe – with the extra sticky substance, substance that the pitchers are now allowed to put on a baseball legally, uh, it gives them a better grip, which helps their control and keeps the game safer. But it also perhaps, perhaps, uh, is allows them to sharpen their sliders even more and their cutters and, and curveballs and everything else. And that's given them another advantage at a time where they don't really need another advantage because the raw stuff and the raw velocity they have is all is that good, but now they may have a, another slight advantage with the sick, sticky substance that you're allowed to put on a baseball. Tim, I'll get you out of here on this. I've been trying to find this answer, and I don't know if you know it, but if anybody does, it might be you. Under the new extra inning rules, 
I actually feel like the away team has the advantage. I feel like every time I watch an extra inning game, the away team comes out and puts up a four spot, and then the home team, it's pretty much done by that point. Do we know the answer yet on who's winning a higher percentage of these extra inning games? Um, I am so against that rule, even though I think it has to be used in a COVID-affected season. I am so against the rule, I I haven't even, by principle, (laughs) researched it, because I think it's such a bad idea. I I, I don't know if you're right, but I haven't noticed that the visiting team has an advantage there. I see your point, but I've always thought the team that bats last always has the advantage. So I'm I'm not going along with your theory, but it might be right. I just haven't looked into it because I don't like that rule. <laughs> Tim Kirchin, one of the best uh, ESPN MLB insider. We got to get you and Buster Olney up here to Vermont since Buster's from right down the road from the station. We got to get a Tim Kirchin Buster Olney time here in Vermont. Well, anytime. I love that <laughs> that neck of the woods. I've been there a long time, so uh, we'll do that once <laughs> everything clears up and the world returns to normal. All right, Tim Kirchin, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Okay, Brady, thank you.